Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, job junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're an out-of-the-box thinker, interested in breaking into talent management on steroids, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest stepped out of the box when he was actually someone focused on managing the careers of rock stars to cast a much wider net into the tech industry and in the process ended up revolutionizing the field of talent management. But before I introduce you to Michael Solomon, co-author of the book, Game Changer, How to Be 10X in the Talent Economy, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays with unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org. And the sign-up box is right there. Now, my Java and Python coding Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Michael Solomon, the co-founder of 10X Management, the world's first tech talent agency. 10X matches top contract technology experts, designers, and brand innovators with companies ranging from startups to the Fortune 500. And their customers have included American Express, HSBC, Google, Verizon, Yelp, and more. Michael also leads, with his longtime business partner, Rishon Bloomberg, the first-of-its-kind compensation negotiation service catering to senior tech talent called 10X Ascend. Ascend's mission is to help senior tech talent obtain the best compensation packages possible. The two, Michael and Rishon, also oversee the respected talent management and entertainment consulting company, Brick Wall Management, whose clients include multi-platinum and Grammy award-winning recording artists, songwriters, top record producers, and filmmakers. Michael, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am. I hope I'm caffeinated enough. The description you just gave made me sound so great. I don't know who that was we were talking about, but I love it. Oh, well, something tells me you live up to the billing. So we should let our listeners know, Michael, that you are hiding out in some room in your house right now because there's construction going on on the roof of your home that was supposed to be done, but isn't, right? Indeed. We have to blame the weather gods for this problem. Yeah. Sorry that 
your family has to endure the hammering and the pounding, but hopefully our listeners won't have to hear too much of that. We are going to frame these 10 espresso shots around how to break into the talent management industry, which obviously covers, because you do, both the entertainment side of things as well as tech talent. But there's all different kinds of management opportunities and talent management companies that are out there. Not everybody gets to work at 10X. This is true. And there's also sports, which is another field that I know nothing about that has talent representation as well and has done quite a lot of innovating in its own right. Excellent point. Okay. So first espresso shot, Michael, what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into the talent management industry? So typically the way in very much in the entertainment industry is at the bottom. So within record companies, talent agencies, the way in is usually as an assistant or even in the mailroom. And that mailroom thing sounds like, you know, you really have to start that at the bottom. Some of the big talent agencies actually have training programs where you start in the mailroom. And their whole program is built around that. And the, the sequence is you do that for a while. And then if you're good enough, you get a, you know, a seat as an assistant or a second assistant for one of the agents. And that's the sort of protocol of how you get in there. Record companies don't always have the mailroom programs, but they have the assistant level where you start or coordinator level where you start. And for us, it's very much the same. We do a lot of promoting within and we start most people out in the assistant chair. And one of the reasons we love that is you get your fingers into everything and you get your hands in everything and you really learn all about the, the different parts of the company. Great. Okay, Michael. So what is a useful hard and soft skill or skills that you look for in the young people that you hire? It's a great question and I love that you brought up soft skills. I find that hard skills are much easier to screen for. The soft skills are the ones that I care about most. So the things that I look for in people are humility, love of learning. I want to see people who, even if they're right out of school, are still doing things to learn. You know, a lot of the people in our company are constantly taking classes and doing things and we're big supporters of that and I do it myself. Being good with mistakes, which means it doesn't mean that you never make them. It means when you do make them, you acknowledge it, you own it. And these are some of our core values as a company that we have posted on our, on our wall and in various places because we really want to be able to, we know everybody makes mistakes and it's how you handle them that really defines the good from the great. Being helpful, being positive, being upbeat, and also having grit. And one of the things that you hear from people who aren't millennials and Gen Zs about that generation is that they don't have any grit. And I don't think that that's true. We work with a lot of people from those generations and they've demonstrated quite the opposite. We have had experiences where that's not the case. And for those who aren't familiar with grit, it essentially means the willingness to do the thing that is really hard, that you don't necessarily love doing or you don't want to do, but you do it anyway because it's between you and the goals you've set out. Oh, I love that, Michael. And I actually just wrote a post on LinkedIn, basically about grit yesterday. And the whole focus was how your motivation, which you could also call grit, is the jet fuel that doesn't cost a penny, but has the power to propel you forward in your career, 
and help you achieve whatever your definition of success is. Because without that, I mean, just look at what's happening right now in our world, in this country, in the United States with the coronavirus. If you don't have grit to persevere, game over. And just to add to that, I believe there are studies that have demonstrated that grit is a much bigger determinant of success than intelligence, than education. It's the thing that when you see those people who you can't believe they built something that big, that hard, it's because they had that quality and they were just always willing to do the hard thing. A hundred percent. The only other thing I will add to that amazing list that you laid out there is something that you talk a lot about in Game Changers, and that is the importance of EQ, emotional intelligence. You've touched on that, I mean, humility, and I think being a team player and accepting and being honest about mistakes you've made, but having that EQ is so important, isn't it? It is, and that's actually... There are serious studies that demonstrate that EQ is more important than IQ for succeeding. And EQ, emotional intelligence, as you've just pointed out, is crucial. And we're going to end up getting more into that particular topic as we go through some of these other questions. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you want to hear more about Michael's new book, Game Changer, and how he changed his own game and pivoted into essentially pioneering a new aspect of talent management, check out show notes for this episode to see if Michael's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Okay, Michael, what about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into talent management? In other words, if they haven't studied whatever, is it a deal breaker? Um, I don't think it is. I'm a big believer in exploring and finding your way. And I know for myself, when I was in college, I had no idea what to major in. I was fortunate that my father was kind enough to send me to a career counselor. And I did two or three days of testing. And the results that they spit out at the end of the test said there were two results. One is what you would be good at. One is what you would like. And both of them were marketing in my case. So that's what I majored in, not knowing really fully what that was. So I think that you can major in anything and then come in this direction. One of the things that I would look for if your major is not in this direction is how you think the skills you've acquired will be relevant, what you can bring that we don't have because we didn't have that major. And how do you apply what you learn to what we do? Got it. What about a graduate school degree? And this is less so for those of our listeners who may be in college right now about to graduate, who want to get into this industry in an entry-level position, and more so for those as they're thinking down the line, is a grad school degree something that I might need to consider, that I might need to start saving for, making plans to try to get? And if so, Michael, is there a particular kind of degree that you think would be more useful than another kind? It's a great question. Historically, talent management has been really an industry of mavericks. It was not an industry that's been around since the dawn of time. It's something that was invented along the way. And it really was something created by people with a level of street smarts. And a lot of the famous managers didn't go to college. They didn't do 
kind of self-education that we look to now. That said, I think that an MBA can really help. I don't have one, by the way. I should note that I don't have any advanced degrees. But I do think an MBA can really help people think about how to manage somebody's career differently and better. And while I didn't go get an MBA in school, because I founded a few nonprofits, I got a whole degree of education that I think is kind of akin to an MBA from working in the nonprofit field on the side. And I got a lot of the the missing elements that I would have missed out on from a graduate degree from those experiences. So I don't think it's crucial. There's very few jobs in a talent agency or a management company that are going to be listed with an advanced degree required. Michael, I'm just here trying to thumb through your book really quickly because for whatever reason, I seem to think that your partner, Rishon, may have gotten an MBA. Am I wrong? He has a degree from Wharton, which is probably what gave you that impression, but it is an undergraduate degree. He also doesn't have. Okay. His formal business education was very useful for us. Yeah. Because I was going to say another way to hack your way there is to partner with someone who complements your skills. And that may mean has an MBA that you don't have, and therefore you can save the money from going to business school and and just team up and keep moving ahead. I think that's a great point. And while I lacked an advanced degree, I also lacked an Ivy League degree. So the fact that I have a partner who had one was always a plus, and that did open some doors for us along the way. Oh, interesting. Okay. What about life experiences, Michael. So these are the kinds of experiences that we have outside the classroom, everything from extracurricular activities to things like travel to things like just the way we grew up. What are the kinds of life experiences that you think would be most useful for someone to try to cultivate who wants to get into this industry? I think that The most important one, which not everybody has, but everybody could have if they set out to, is actually trying to do the job. When people come to us for a role and they've already, either in high school or in college, managed their friend's band or their own band even in some instances, that tells me that they have a good understanding of at least some of the elements. They may not know how to do everything well, but they've been exposed to what exists. So anything, whether it's interning at a management company or trying to manage somebody on your own, or having been managed by somebody, any of these areas are going to give you entry-level information and provide you with, hopefully, also enough info to know whether you're actually going to like this. If you watch Almost Famous, which is you know, probably 20 years old at this point, and you're like, oh, managing a band seems like a great thing to do. That's what I want to do. But you've never had any real exposure to doing it. You may come into a company and discover after a very few weeks, months, or even years that this was not cut out for you and you don't have the stomach for it. It is a hard profession and it is a very competitive profession. And the the last thing I'll add to that is any experience dealing with personalities who are challenging our career, we've really separated ourselves from very difficult people. We're just not really ready to do that anymore. Life is too short. But if you're going into talent management or being a talent agent, you are going to have to deal with some challenging people. And any experience you've had in your life doing that and honing the skills of your temperament are going to be really valuable. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I think your prior point was also excellent about if you 
try this out when you're in high school, when you're in college, managing your friends, if they've got a band or you're in a band and you do the management side. It is a wonderful way of you figuring out, is this something I like or not? And that's what internships are all about. It's sampling those different bowls of porridge the way that Goldilocks did. Michael, what, exactly. okay. <laughs> what is the best part for you, Michael, of being in the talent management industry? I think the thing that it only dawned on me in the last few years that really is the through line of all the different things I do is getting to help people and more specifically getting to help people fulfill their dreams. So I don't have the aspiration to stand on stage in front of thousands of people, but I work with people who do. And when you get to realize their success, even though you might be in the background, it's your success. And the feeling of accomplishment that goes along with that, whether it's a technologist who just closed a big deal and is thanking, I mean, I'll give you an actual example, and is thanking you because the freedom that they had, and of course, remote work is something everybody's doing now, but four years ago when this guy's father was dying and he was able to work from home and take care of his father for that period of time and make a great living, he wrote the most beautiful note to us about what that meant to him. And every time we're part of somebody's success, that's a pretty great feeling. And then the last part I would say, which has been true for me for a while and is true for a lot more people now, is I have a lot of control over my life and lifestyle. And yes, I have to be on at moments where some other people don't have to be on. But I, other than sort of fires that need to be put out, I'm generally speaking in very good control of how I live my life. And I love that. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. As the commercial goes, priceless. <laughs> yeah. All right. The flip side, Michael, because it doesn't matter whether you are the big boss as, as you and Rishon are at Ascend and at 10X Management. There are always aspects of the job that suck. So what is the part of your current job that sucks the most? I love this question. One of the things that I'm going to say, which is, and I will, I will answer the question is, as you build your business and you build your career, if you do it properly, one of the things you get to do is get rid of, off of your personal plate, many of the things that suck. So there are a lot of things that I hate doing that I don't have to do anymore. So that's great. The things that still I have to do that I don't like doing are resolving problems and putting out fires. So no matter how well we attempt to do our job and no matter how well our clients attempt to do their job, there are moments of conflict that come up where an engagement goes wrong or somebody didn't like something we did or somebody didn't like something that one of our clients did. And then you have to go into conflict resolution mode. And for the most part, these actually have worked out shockingly well over the eight years that we've been doing 10x management in particular. They're never fun when people aren't happy. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's where I really earn my keep. And it's also the part that I really don't love. If I could hand that off to somebody, I would love to. But right now, I still feel like that's my cross to bear, so to speak. Yeah, fair enough. That definitely would suck. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice, Michael, you've ever gotten? I'm going to tell you, and I honestly don't remember who told it to me, which is really lame to be quoting somebody's great advice and not know who it was. Invest in yourself relentlessly. You will never regret investments in yourself. If you 
think about, imagine if you could just make yourself 1% better per day, what that nets out to in the course of a year with the compounding factor of that. And nobody's really able to achieve that on a steady basis. But if you just think about that, there's so much opportunity. And one of the things that I ended up doing with that advice is I really invested a lot in efficiency and productivity. And that, that is invaluable to me because I still, I get to do all these things I'm interested in, for-profit, non-profit. You know, there's three companies in each category now that I really are my babies. And yet I still have time for my family. I'm embarrassed to say, but will admit I watch a ton of TV. <laughs> like I have really good work-life balance. I travel. It's all great. And so much of that is because I've really invested in learning how to, how to save seconds here and seconds there and they all add up. And I really encourage the listeners to really look at the ways that you can do that for yourself. Okay. I definitely am going to want to dig into this with you in the main T4C episode, but just give us a hint, Michael. Was there a book you read or books that you read that helped you level up in terms of your time management and efficiency that you could recommend? Or was this just an online course that you took? What was it? It was actually probably a million little pieces of stuff. Uh, quite a few of them came from lifehacker.com, which I'm a big fan of. And a lot of it came from reading technology publications and understanding what's new and what's coming out in technology. I mean, I'm one of those people who, and I'm, I'm a little geeky, but I'm not as geeky as it's going to sound. But like when there's a new iOS update, I look at what's new in it because I'm, I, you know, I just learned last week. I can now have Chrome, which is where I do everything in my life in, be my default browser on my phone, which has always been an annoyance because they was required to use Safari. I had the browser, but I couldn't have it be the default. That just saved me a whole bunch of time because now I can access things from any device. There are lots of versions of this. Dictation is one of my biggest hacks. I dictate constantly, and I'll get further into that story when there's a little more time. Ooh, I love it. Thank you so much. Okay, you've already touched on Almost Famous, the movie that Kate Hudson kind of, I guess, made her a star. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, other streaming services that you may imbibe or enjoy, or books, do you think accurately depict this industry, Michael? I love this question. So the tech industry, even though it's very satirical, I got to say Silicon Valley gets way more right than it gets wrong. It's done very tongue in cheek, but there's so much truth in the humor that I really thoroughly enjoyed watching that. The other one, and I'm going to qualify this, but Entourage was such a great look you know, when I describe to you what it feels like to win with a client and how their wins are your wins, that show did as good a job as anything I think I've ever seen of creating that feeling of it's us against the world and whatever our little unit is, in that case, it was, you know, four friends and, a, and an agent, the agent's assistant and a few other players around them. But it created that feeling. I don't think I remember every character's name, but when Ari closed the deal, it was the biggest thing for them. And what you felt in terms of what that show made you feel was so great in terms of getting people excited about this. And it also showed, you know, frankly, the sleazy, underhanded side, especially of 
talent agent industry. And I've seen that in action too. And that's really crap. Yeah. Loved that series. Absolutely love, love, love. Actually, both of them. I haven't watched the entire Silicon Valley series, but I did watch all of Entourage and enjoyed both. Final- I feel like HBO should now be paying me since that was <laughs> I'm going to leave that to you to work on. Yeah, I need an agent. <laughs> Final question. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about this industry? I think probably the most interesting thing, and this relates to 10x management and 10x ascend, is we're just making it up. This stuff didn't exist. There was no talent agency for technology professionals when we started this company. There wasn't even talk of it. And to my knowledge, there's not really any compensation negotiation service when we started that business, although there are popping up now. And I get bored easily, which is why I keep starting different things. And I hate repetitive behavior. So as soon as something gets repetitive, I just want to jump off a cliff and build a new plane on the way down. And that's what these companies are. We're sort of a kernel of an idea and then figuring out, and I shouldn't say, you know, the jumping off a cliff sounds like there was a lot of risk involved. We had an existing company that we were able to build on while we built the new companies. And that's been a very successful, we didn't have to raise money as a result of that, which was great. But there was a big risk. We didn't know what we were doing. Nobody knew what we were doing. We were porting one business model from one industry to another industry. And it was exciting and fun. And I suppose a little scary. Yeah, I can totally imagine that. And I think it also shows just how important creativity is. Yes. And also taking what you know and looking at other places that don't know what you know. That sort of goes back to the the question that I said earlier, where somebody comes in with a different major than the field I'm hiring for. You have to be able to come in and tell me why I want you, even though you don't have what I would be looking for. And if you can start to say, well, I was a talent agency or I was a talent manager in the music industry, and I think it's really applicable to the technology industry, you're already starting to show me you're thinking like that and you're thinking outside the box. Michael's new book is entitled Game Changer, How to Be 10X in the Talent Economy. If you want to learn more about Game Changer and how Michael has changed the game, check out the show notes for this episode to see if his main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Michael, I want to thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the T4C community. This was so much fun. Thanks, Andrea. I loved it. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.